Three blocks east of our church, there is a major renovation underway here at 203 Cherry Street. Affordable rental housing has long been a challenge in our community, but following the 2019 tornado that ripped through our city, the problem worsened. About 70% of the people displaced by that tornado were renters, and many were low-income renters. Now, the 110-year-old structure where I'm standing today stood one block east of the tornado path and miraculously escaped any damage. However, one week after the tornado, this building experienced significant interior damage by a fire, making it so no one could actually safely live here anymore. The owner donated the building to a brand new nonprofit called Transformational Housing. Formed by a group of pastors and churches and concerned Christians, Transformational Housing is committed to helping individuals and families get back on their feet through affordable housing and intentional relationships. For the past several months, volunteers have been demoing this building, taking it down to its bare bones to completely renovate it into five rental units for families. But the goal is so much more than providing quality rental housing here. The dream of transformational housing is to lead people into life-transforming relationships through encouragement and accountability. Volunteers with the organization will coach and mentor those living in these units in the life skills necessary for healthy, self-sufficient living. There are countless barriers some people must overcome to experience a way of life that so many of us take for granted. Transformational housing leaders and volunteers are removing some of those barriers, one brick at a time, motivated by the renovating work Christ has done in their own lives. And when the work is done in this building and the grand reveal occurs later this year, the real renovation work begins, the renovation of all who will live here. Our Lenten series has been titled Fixer Upper, Renovation of the Heart. Our lives result from what we have become in the depths of our being, what we call our will or our heart. It's from our will that we see the world and we interpret reality. It's from our heart that we make choices, that we take action and engage with others. And this is why our heart's renovation is so important. It is the place from which we think and feel and act. Now, in sermons and small groups and daily devotions these past six weeks, we've shown up with our imperfect selves, pleading for God to reframe us so we might become the persons we are meant to be. And this renovation isn't simply a new coat of paint. It isn't a move the furniture around a renovation. This renovation is a God demo my life. Take me down to the bare bones and rebuild me from the inside out as only you can do. I'm here, Lord committed to doing the work with you, partnering together, renovate me. Renovated buildings can tell grand stories. Renovated lives can tell grand stories too. Chapter four of John's gospel in the New Testament tells the story of Jesus and a Samaritan woman who meet at a well. And Jesus is traveling north from Judea to a place called Galilee. The problem is that Samaria lies between them. Now, in the days of Jesus, the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans was hostile because of deep-rooted prejudice fostered over many, many years. I mean, think of two groups of people today who deeply hate one another, and you'll begin to understand the intense division between 
these two groups. Most Jews avoided Samaria, opting to go out of their way to avoid going through it, but not Jesus. With purpose and a grander vision than the disciples, Jesus deliberately cuts through Samaria. For Jesus was here not just for the Jews, but the Samaritans too. Now on the way through, Jesus stops at a well, and this is where we pick up our text today, beginning in verse 5 of John chapter 4. So he came to a Samaritan city called Suhar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Picking up in verse 39, 
Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What we've just read is the longest one-on-one theological conversation recorded in the Bible between Jesus and another person, and it was a woman. That a Jewish man would talk to a woman was amazing. Jewish men rarely spoke to women in public, even if they were married to them. Don't get any ideas. Not only was she a woman, but she was also a Samaritan woman, which would have been unheard of. And she knew this. This this was an unusual experience. And she asks this question of him, saying, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And the disciples knew it too. And when they returned, they were astonished to see Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. Yet they didn't question him directly because they had learned something abiding so closely with Jesus. That even though it didn't always make sense to them, Jesus had a grander plan. And even though we limit ourselves, Jesus is not limited by expectations or assumptions or traditions. In our text today, Jesus crosses every barrier, geographic, ethnic, gender, crosses them all so that he might renovate this woman's life. But it wasn't just the Samaritan woman that Jesus had in mind when he revealed who he was to her and what he offered, this living water that satisfies like nothing else. Jesus loved her deeply and wanted her to experience reconciliation with God. And Jesus also deeply loved all of the Samaritans and wanted reconciliation for them. And this woman at the well becomes the door to the Samaritans. After her encounter with Jesus, she drops everything and returns to her community, and she tells the story, still full of questions and doubts herself, yet with the very hopeful question in verse 29, he cannot be the Messiah, can he? Her hope, not her certainty, was enough to move the villagers out to the well to meet Jesus for themselves, some believing in him right away and inviting him to stay with him for two days. And as a result of this woman's story and their time with Jesus, the community declared the answer to this woman's hopeful question for themselves. You asked woman if he could be the Messiah. Indeed, he is the Savior of the world. You see, an encounter with Christ changed everything. The woman and the Samaritans weren't the only ones that Jesus was inviting to reconciliation. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when Jesus told the disciples they would stay a while with these people that they hated and what they felt like was for good reason. I'm sorry, Jesus, what? We're staying where? I mean, don't you know who these people are, what they believe, what they've done, and who they come from? I mean, it's bad enough that we didn't just go around Samaria as respectable Jews do, but now you're asking us to hang out with them for a few days? Now, if the disciples asked questions or put up a fight, the scripture doesn't tell us that. Perhaps, yet again, they didn't question Jesus because they had learned something abiding so closely with him for those years. 
that even though it didn't always make sense, Jesus had a grander plan. And even though we limit ourselves, Jesus is not limited by expectations or assumptions or traditions. That even though we build barriers, Jesus crosses every barrier in love. The story of the Samaritan woman was not just about one woman's life-changing encounter with Christ. It was about the life-changing encounter with Christ for two groups of people, the Samaritans and the Jews. Not even years-old ethnic and racial hostility was beyond the renovating work of Jesus, and it still isn't. Regarding the story of Jesus in Samaria, author Marshall Seagal wrote, Racial hostility itself bowed before King Jesus. Hostility between us, between black and white, and every other boundary and barrier dies the same way, by bowing to Jesus. Jesus had a heart for Samaria. Did the disciples, too, develop a heart for Samaria? Did their years abiding with Jesus remove ethnic and gender barriers in their hearts built by a culture but demolished by Christ? At the beginning of the book of Acts in the New Testament, we find the final recorded words of the risen Christ to his disciples. After his death and resurrection, Jesus presented himself alive to them in many different settings over 40 days. And in face-to-face -face meetings, as they met and they ate together, Jesus talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God, telling them to remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on them. And then he said in verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These were the last words of the risen Christ before he ascended to heaven. Who can break down barriers we believe are unbreakable? Barriers of race and politics? Barriers of hatred of others and hatred of self? Barriers of past sin and future sin? Even the barrier of death itself? The risen Christ can. And if we follow him and abide with him, he'll lead us to cross them too. Some looked at this burnt-out, abandoned building on Cherry Street, and they said, nothing could come of it. It cannot be restored. Yet some with the eyes and the heart of Christ saw potential and possibility, and they crossed the barrier, and it is changing everything. And one day, after its grand reveal, 203 Cherry Street will be Christ's witness here in this city and neighborhood of the renovating power of Jesus to change lives. Some looked at the woman at the well, a woman and a Samaritan woman, and they said nothing could come of her or people like her. They can't be restored. But one day, Jesus crossed geographic, ethnic, and gender barriers, bringing his followers with him, and an encounter with Jesus changed everything. Some looked at the bloody and beaten body of Jesus the Messiah hanging on a wooden cross and said, nothing could come of it. It cannot be restored. The kingdom is over before it ever even began. But three days later, Jesus defeated the barrier of death and this changes everything, not just for you and for me personally, but for everyone. 
God demonstrated God's love for all of us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God deeply loves you. It's true. And God deeply loves the people of whatever Samaria we have not been willing to cross through. But Jesus says no more. No more taking the long road around. No more division. No more barriers. Take my hand. We're going through. There's reconciliation work to be done, and I want you to join me. Now, perhaps you feel a bit like this abandoned building, burnt out, uninhabitable, beyond repair. God is not finished with you yet. God can renovate you and use you to give life to others. Perhaps you feel a bit like the Samaritan woman, ready for something that's more satisfying, more lasting than what you have been consuming. And you wonder if Jesus just might be who he says he is, the Savior of the world. The Samaritan said, he is. The disciples said, he is. Those who gave firsthand accounts testifying that the crucified Christ was indeed alive said, he is. So what do you say? And perhaps you feel a bit like the disciples, wanting to follow Jesus, but not always sure where he is leading. Maybe he's leading you out of your comfort zone to cross barriers, keeping you from loving others as Jesus taught us to love. When God's forgiveness and God's healing power can soften the hardest heart, transforming hate into love, which is one of the most powerful transformations that there is. Whatever barrier you are encountering today. The risen Christ extends an outstretched, nail-scarred hand to you and declares, I am the Messiah. There's no barrier. I have not already defeated, not even death. So believe in me. Follow me. See what love can do in you and through you. An encounter with Christ can change everything. And a life transformed by love is the grand reveal of Christ alive in us. Amen.